Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, hello and welcome to Seacoast Vineyard Church. Uh, This is a special message going out to those of you who listen to our podcast. First, I want to say... um, as the senior pastor here, the lead pastor at Seacoast Vineyard Church, I really appreciate uh, you guys, all of you out there who tune in regularly and listen. Uh, we have noticed a huge uptick since we've been in this series. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for for tuning in. And please send us uh, emails. Let us know if you have questions, comments. You can send them to info at Vineyard. Dot com or to me, Tim, at SeacoastVineyard.com. We're in a series called 40 Days of Transformation, or Transformed, as we're calling it here at the Vineyard. And today we're going to be looking at mental health. Uh, the scripture, our banner scripture, is do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, Another version says it this way, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way we think about things. Whatever gets my mind gets me. It will have me. And over in 2 Timothy 1.7, we have these wonderful words from Paul where we read for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind God has not given us a spirit of fear but he has given us power and he has given us love and he has given us a sound mind that is the definition for sound mind is moderation you ever wanted to like get your life balanced out where it's not so up and down? A sound mind, self-control. It's related to another Greek word, as I understand it, to restore one to his or her senses. <laughs> I, that's a great definition. And in this culture and in this life that we live in, I think we could definitely use a little restoration to our senses. And that seems to be God's promise to us. When we renew our minds, as we're transformed, there's a reason that we read so many times Jesus saying, remember, think. And Paul said the same thing so many times, think about this. That is that we have a choice piece of real estate at the frontal lobe of our brain. And it's in that place that we think and that we change and things can change for us. And I I tell people this regularly, including myself, and that is that day after day, many of us wait for things to change. We we wake up in the morning and we go, gosh, the day is going to be different. I'm going to feel different than I did yesterday. Life is going to be different than it was yesterday. But yet we wake up 
And it's the same thing over and over. And this little pithy saying, uh, I think, speaks volumes, and that is that nothing changes if nothing changes. But yet we expect things to change just, just from living life. And I also want to say this, that in this series, this is not about positive confession. It's not about some Oprah-like New Age mantra that we just get into saying and, and suddenly we're changed and we're different. Maybe there's a little therapeutic help in some of this stuff. But we as followers of Christ, we're looking for deep change. We're looking for our lives to mature, to grow up in all aspects, in mental health, emotional health, financial, relational, all of these areas. We want to grow up and we want to have what God has said we can have. We want a sound mind. We want the power of God in our lives and we want the love of God in our lives. And it seems to me that is exactly what we are promised. But it begins with us and if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. And this is about all of us allowing the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, that is Jesus also, guiding us into all truth. And we know that Jesus said that if we would know the truth, the truth would set us free. And we know again from this scripture in 2 Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear of being fearful of every day and that we're going to remain the same, but that we can feel different, we can think different, we can be different. And this starts in the mind. Romans 12, 2, banner, foundational passage that we keep quoting. Be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It all begins in the mind. So why wouldn't we want to manage our minds well. Uh, let's pray, and I'm going to jump in and share this with all of you. Father, thank you for some time together. Thank you that you have not left us to our own devices, but at the same time, God, you ask for us to, to come alongside and to, to agree with your word and to live this out so that things can change, so that we can grow up in all aspects of being like you, the way you lived life here. We want to be healthy, God. We want to look at life in a healthy way. We want to look at one another in a healthy way. And most of all, we want to know you in a healthy way. So Holy Spirit, come renew us, teach us truth, free us, Lord. Heal us. Grow us up, mature us, Lord, in you. Amen. Well, we have fill-ins every week, and uh, if you're following along on the podcast, these um, most of the time are actually posted at at the U Bible version, uh, and it's also on our website. Uh, but you can just follow along here too, and I'll tell you what the fill-ins are. The first one is this: Why would I want to learn to manage my mind? I manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. I manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Every action is preceded by a thought. 
I mean, the power to think has tremendous ability to shape our lives for the good or the bad, for a healthy, for a healthy uh, life or for an unhealthy life. Some of us grew up hearing these types of messages. You're worthless or, or maybe you heard you're ugly over and over again. You're a klutz. You shouldn't go out for any sports team. You can't even walk well. You can't walk straight or you heard you're stupid. Why can't you get this right? Or maybe you heard this, uh, there's something wrong with you. What's really powerful in, in words that we hear, especially when we're growing up, is that we don't always understand even the context when things are being said by our parents. That is that uh, many times we just hear it offhandedly or we wake up in the middle of the night and we hear a conversation someone's having about us and we don't understand that the context is love and concern and when I was growing up, this was kind of the case. I mean, I was a teenager, but I was the firstborn too. So I was the experimental X model, you know, for my for my parents. And so they didn't know what they were doing. And I was the first the first brother of of three, uh, two other brothers that I had, the first boy in the family, and the and the oldest. And so, you know, I hit thirteen, fourteen, and I just. I was a pretty independent person, and even at 13 and 14, and so I, uh, you know, I was stretching my wings a lot, and they didn't know what to do, and, but I woke up one night, and I heard my mom crying, and I heard her asking my dad, or saying uh, to my dad, what is wrong with him? What is wrong with him? How can we get him some help? <laughs> some of you in the church right now are thinking, yeah, I've been thinking the same thing, <laughs> But when you're like 13 or 14 and you wake up and you hear your mom crying like that, it can do some things to you. And if you hear it more than once or twice, then you begin to think, maybe there is something wrong with me. Even though the context might have been loving and caring, still at least this kind of a recording in your head where you you believe maybe there is something wrong. And then you come to Jesus and of course things change, but if... If, there, if that is not replaced with truth, that can even come back to kind of hold you hostage in life if, if you don't know the truth, so it can set you free. And we are so fearfully and wonderfully made, these bodies, that our brain and our body actually begins to uh, uh, develop and to release certain hormones and chemicals in our body that come along to reinforce whatever we're thinking, whether that be negative or whether that be positive. And we get depleted in some healthy hormones. It's just a fascinating thing, the plasticity, the malleableness of the brain and, and how it can be retrained. And, and, but at the same time, it was trained a certain way. And so we battle that and we wonder why we don't feel any better. Well, we want to manage our minds well because... Thoughts control our life. And I had someone, a coach, that uh, helps me look at the church and at my own life and leadership and on. And she asked me one day, she said, how do you know what you're thinking is true? And we just assume it many times. We just assume, hey, I know what the truth is. And, and so we go on with life. But, I mean, how do we know it's the truth? What criteria do you use when you're thinking through uh, these conclusions that you've made? How do you know they're the truth? And then she asked me something very personal. She said, who gets the last say in who you are, Tim? Who gets the last say? Who gets to say who you are? And I thought, wow, 
You know, I guess I do. Even though I've heard things from my youth or maybe I've heard things from other people. But I guess I do. I guess I get the last say in that because whatever I believe I have taken in has become reality for me. I need to manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. That's number one. Number two is I manage my mind because it is the battleground for sin. I manage my mind because it is the battleground, the battleground for sin. Romans 7, through 23, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. I manage my mind because it is the battleground for sin. It's in our thinking that we either win or lose the battle. We think that temptation is something that's out there. Like temptation is coming toward me. It's out there. But in all honesty, temptation is between your two ears. It's in your head because there are some things that you are not tempted by. And we'll talk a little more about that in the future, but the temptation is right there in the mind. Let's read Romans 7, 22 through 23 again. And I love God's law with all my heart. That is, I want to do life the way God tells me to do it. But, don't you love the big butts in the Bible? But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. As we used to say here in America, NASA used to say, Houston, we have a problem. It's a mind field, a mind field up here. And why is it so intense? Because your mind is your greatest asset. The world wants it and the devil wants it. And whoever or whatever gets your attention gets you. I manage my mind because my thoughts control my life and it's where the battleground for sin is waged. Your third fill-in is I manage my mind because It is the key to peace and happiness. I manage my mind because it is the key to peace and happiness. Romans 8, 6. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. You see, an unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. A managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos, but a managed mind leads to confidence. Romans 8, 6 again, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. And death is what? The opposite of life. And what did Jesus come to give us? Jesus came to bring us life. 
And not just life, but life more abundantly. That is more than we've ever experienced. If the Holy Spirit, continuing in this with this version in Romans 8, 6, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. I know that many of you are thinking, nah, you don't, you don't get it, Tim. Uh, you think you think that uh, they're all controllable, but, but I can tell you that they're uncontrollable. I don't control my thoughts. They just come. They're just there, and uh, you know I can't help it, and it unsettles me. It, it rattles me. Listen, I want you to know something. First of all, the devil can't make you think certain things. Now, he can fly over you. Maybe you've heard this metaphor before, and some used to say build a nest. I have a a better uh, metaphor for me and for much many of my friends at the beach, and that is when when I was a young surfer, we used to surf a spot called Dunes Cove, and it had you parked along the side of the road, and there was a stream, freshwater stream that ran between uh, the road where we parked, and there was a trail that made its way up to the dune line. Well, when you got out of the car, and you grabbed your surfboard, and you began. To make your way to the beach, you walked in this stream, through it, and got on the other side, and there was this little cove of trees that these birds would gather in. And from my memory, that's been many years ago, but from my memory, they, were, they had these red uh, little patches on their wings. I think they were cedar wax wings, maybe. But they loved the berries in those trees, and uh, when we walked through that stream and came out the other side, they would fly all over you, and yes, you know what they would do? They would begin to rain down poop on your head, on your board, and everything. And you were just trying to make it to the beach, and so all of us, we'd laugh and run, and the poop would drop, and uh, we'd wipe it off or take some water from the stream and try to wash it off our boards and, and our fa- and our heads where it hit us on the head. But we'd get to the beach, and and sure enough, there'd always be somebody that's standing there about, <clears throat> excuse me, about ready to paddle out. And we'd look at them and there would be this big splotch of bird poop, you know, stuck in their hair or stuck on their forehead uh, or on their shoulders. And we would all laugh and say, wipe the poop off. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, and that's like the devil. You know, the devil can fly all over you. He, he may know some of your weak areas and he may fly down and he may poop bomb you. But you can wipe it off. You do not have to leave that on you. So the devil cannot control your thoughts. He cannot make you. He cannot make you think a lot. You have to choose that, to leave that in there for you to be able to make it a part of you and for it to distract you and lie to you and and change you in a negative way and, and rob you of that abundant life that Jesus wants to bring. And listen, we pray and we ask God to help us, and we should with our thought life, certainly, but God is not going to rush in and take over your mind as far as like you being a robot. So the devil can't do it, and God won't do it because he wants to help you learn to live your life as a follower of Jesus. And he has given you the incredible Incredible power of free will along with his Holy Spirit to empower you to make good choices and good decisions about yourself, others, the world, and of course about who he is and how much he cares and loves you. I want, I want you also to know that I'm not one of these pastors 
who is super negative on people getting help from prescription meds if they need it. If you need help and a professional has said, wow, your serotonin levels are way down and there's no way physiologically you're going to be able to get on top of this, and this is a professional talking to you, then with much prayer and consultation, I say, you know, do what's best for you to get in a physiological place where you can can get better. But listen, we need to work. If we get that kind of help, we need to work with them. As we physically start feeling better and we get on top of this, then we need to take these principles, take God's word, this good word, apply it to our lives and begin to get more mentally healthy. And that is the purpose of this because please, if you're depressed, clinically depressed, and this is frustrating you more than helping you, get the help you need and apply this to your life as you begin to come out of that and your body is aligned with these truths. So don't think I'm telling anybody not to go get help if you need it. And, um, I told the church uh, last week, we were talking about how we think, and I said, you know, some of you guys don't have to be thinking what you're thinking right now. And it got a chuckle because how church is, people sit there and listen to you talk, and after a while, they begin to think of other things, maybe like you're starting to do right now. And, uh, but you don't have to do that. You have control. God has given you willpower. You grab your thoughts, you take them captive, and you bring them back, and you submit them. So do you want to break free from bad patterns? Well, this, our last three fill-ins are three ways to manage our mind. And the first one is this in your fill-in, is I manage my mind by feeding my mind with the truth. I manage my mind by feeding my mind with the truth. The New Living Translation, Matthew 4, 4, goes kind of like this. People need more than bread for their life. This is Jesus speaking. They must feed on every word of God. We have quite a few small groups in our church going. I think 30 English-speaking and two uh, Spanish-speaking groups right now. And in order to, to reinforce this and really get the most out of this, series and this on mental health today, we need to be in a group with other people where this can be reinforced. The The journal that Saddleback Church and Pastor Rick Warren have uh, made available for this series is an excellent, excellent resource. There's follow-up goals, there's discussions, there's in the back of the journal, it even tells you how to lead a small group how to recruit for your small group, uh, the answers. There's a spiritual checkup test in the back. It's just absolutely excellent. And I think it's very adaptable to whatever your church is like, like we're a vineyard church. Um, so we take that material and we adapt it to who we are. And I think that is a, that's an excellent resource. So if you don't have one of these, I'm sure you can get those from Saddleback. Uh, we have a few left and we have just sold out of them three different times now. But we need people to help us see the truth and help feed our minds with the truth. Excuse me. <clears throat> I, uh, a few years ago, hit a kind of a rough spot and I couldn't understand why my thinking, uh, it seems like it was 
just permeated with this particular negative thought every day. I, I was like, where is this coming from? But it had become such a habitual thing. It had become a part of almost my identity, at least to myself. And one day I journal. Uh, I'm not an addict. You know, I, I only have a couple of hundred journals, but I'm not an addict to it or a slave to it, but I do journal quite regularly. And, uh, you know, I write out what's going on, my questions, scripture, uh, good things and all. But I went back into my journals. And for almost 10 years, I noticed a recurring theme, a negative theme, not just negative, but it was an actual lie that somehow, probably from the story that I had, that I'd share with you earlier about me hearing uh, my parents discuss there, there was something wrong with me. I picked up a theme that I was reinforcing and writing in my journal every single day. And instead of journaling in order to move on to truth and to move on to health, I was actually journaling death to myself. And, and when I saw that, because I, I had, my mind had cleared up a good bit and all, and I was processing things a lot better, I realized, wow, no wonder I got stuck in a rut. Look at this. I was not feeding my mind with the truth. I was feeding my mind with a lie. But it felt like the truth. And look back on your life and ask yourself, am I really believing the truth? Am I feeding my mind with God's truth, with his word? Do you know the truth about God? Do you know the truth of Jesus' love for you, his sacrifice? Do you know the truth about yourself? Do you really know it? Because the truth doesn't put you in bondage. It frees you. It brings liberty to you. And the only way to get that is for you to feed your mind with the truth. I'm going to give you a little practice here that I've been doing for quite, I mean, many years now. Uh, over in the book of Ephesians, some of you know that first chapter is just phenomenal. And the opening lines are some of the most beautiful theology that we have expressed. <clears throat> but there are ways to read this. And um, I, wanna, I want to read this very slowly for you because it's a passage of Scripture that can be personalized. Uh, I write this in my journals. Each time I complete a journal, I will write Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. That's Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 in a personal way, and I read it. And uh, so here's the way I would encourage you to read this passage. Because we don't always understand that whatever is written to a group or whatever is written to a church, as in the epistles and all, is written to us that it is not so generic that it shouldn't be so personally powerful to us that it indeed changes us. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to pull up Ephesians 1, 3 through 5, uh, then you can. And I'm going to read this, and you'll notice the difference uh, when I read it. All praise to God, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because I am united with Christ.
Even before he made the world, God loved me and chose me in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt me into his own family by bringing me to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What's that last sentence? Are we sure that's even in the Bible? This is what God wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure to do it. Now for me, that is the most beautiful truth that liberates me and frees me from any lies that I was told that there was something wrong with me to be discarded, to not be valued at all. And I, this deep, shameful perfectionism that I've had in my life for so long, this scripture tells me that before I ever did anything, before I even was on this earth, it was God's wonderful pleasure that he wanted to see me live and to come to know him that he wanted me to be born, that he wanted to adopt me. He wanted to save me. He wanted to restore me. It was his great pleasure to do so. Wow. Now that, feeding your mind with that truth, is humbling and it is powerfully life-changing for some of you. We need to feed our minds with the truth. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible as I understand it. And we need to find those promises and realize they are the truth and renew our minds with that. So I manage my mind by feeding on the truth. And next, I manage my mind by freeing my mind from destructive thoughts. I manage my mind by freeing my mind from destructive thoughts. Romans 8, 5 says, Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. And this isn't easy because we have some enemies that want to keep us in bondage and try to speak destructive thoughts to us all the time. There are three enemies that we come in contact with most often, the one is the old nature. We've already mentioned that, that there's this sin nature within us that's pressing up against us. If I ask you now, have you ever done something that you knew was wrong? Most all of us would go, yes, I have. And those of you who say you haven't just did <laughs> because you just, you're deceived. You have done something that you knew was wrong to do. And again, Romans 8, 5 says, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. And your brain is flexible, malleable, as we said. It's changeable. It can be retrained. It's about how you think, but there is a battle there. And then there's Satan, the devil, as we mentioned. He hates your guts and he has a terrible plan for your life. <laughs> He does, but God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But he drops thoughts 
Have you ever had the weirdest thought come into your head? Maybe even in Bible study, small group, or in church. Yeah, you have. You've had thoughts and you went, where in the world did that come from? What happened? Why did I just think that? Listen, don't believe every thought. Don't, don't believe everything that's dropped in. The devil likes to drop those poop bombs, those things on your head that, that want to make it stinky in your thinking. And, and so, you know, don't take that and know the difference. Learn the difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction brings grief, yes. It brings a remorse for your sin, but it, it also brings this hope of reconciliation in life, whereas condemnation continues to batter you, to beat you down, and to rob you of the truth and life in Christ. Know the difference because Satan would want to just consume you with condemnation and not even allow you to have conviction that brings you to repentance and new life. Conviction is a gift. Condemnation is a curse. And then there's the world's value system that we have to battle. Listen, the modern world, this culture that we live in is not going to be here to help you. You're not going to get help for the truth in your life from television or movies. First Timothy, or excuse me, 1 John 2.16 says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. All that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from, from the world. Listen, that's passion, possession, and position. The world, our culture is teaching us that those are the three main things, money, sex, and power. You are not going to get any help from them. They were going to constantly tell you you don't measure up. You need to dress like this. You need to look like this. Drive this car. Uh, be this weight. Be this to be valuable. They're just not going to get any help. When I was first ordained, I was 28 years old. And one of the men who laid hands on me that night was an elderly African-American gentleman, a bishop from Harlem, New York named Bishop Jesse Winley. What a wonderful man of God. He was, I mean, here I was 28 years old, and Bishop Winley, he had one bad eye that would kind of stray off to the side, and he was big, and he had this voice. Let's see if I can, I can mimic it somewhat. He would come in our little small church in the 70s, and, and he would go, Where's the young preacher man? And he would make his way down the hall, and I would hear him coming in, and he would walk into my little office and he would sit down and he would look at me and he would go, Preacher man, watch your life. Watch out for the gold, the glitter, and the gals. <laughs> gold, glitter, and gals. He was saying, Tim, don't let money, don't let ego, prestige, and pride, and don't let sex rob you of your calling and what God wants to do in you. God has given us weapons to fight this battle with. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We, who takes captive? Who? We take captive. We bring it under control. It's like conquering, the wording is like conquering a nation, another country conquering a nation. We take it captive. Whatever thought comes into our mind, we grab it. We don't let it run around free. We take it captive and we make it obedient. That is that thought to Christ. We bring it into submission. We don't let it have its own life. You make your mind mind you. Did you get that? You make your mind mind you. And temptation, some of us go, well, I can't help it. The temptation is so strong. Look at James 1, 14 through 15. James 1, 14 through 15. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. Then the evil actions lead to death. Temptation is a process. It is never an isolated event. When we fall to temptation, there has been step one, step two, step three, step four. You do not automatically go to step four. You do not automatically have an affair. You do not automatically steal, lie. You do not automatically rage. Something built up. You went through a process. And look at the scripture. It's right here. Step one in temptation, in the process, is desire. If you don't have a desire for something, it's not a temptation. Like, I have no desire for smoking. None. So that's not a temptation for me. It's not. But you know what your desire, where it lies. It lies right in your head. It's not out there. It's in your head. There is something you desire. And uh, maybe it's even a natural or healthy desire at its core, like sex or working, but it's blown out. The devil blows it out of proportion, and now it's no longer in the the confines and the beautiful arena of marriage with that one spouse that you have, but now it's blown out of proportion and, and it's taking control of your life. But it begins with desire. Step two is doubt. We begin to doubt what God says. He says he loves us. He says he forgives us. He restores us. But is that enough for us? I mean, look what happened in the Garden of Eden. The devil came to them and said, hey, did God really say it was doubt. Did God really say that? And giving, giving in to temptation is believing a lie. It's believing that God doesn't know what's best for us. We know better. We doubt God's goodness in his word. And how we're told to live life, we're like, he doesn't know what I need. He says, no, I know better than him. So it's desire. It's doubt. And step three is Deception. Satan replaces God's truth with his lies. Did you notice the word lure? We have what we call fishing lures. Uh, Some of you fishermen know this. Fishing lures, those are pretty, aren't they? They've got all kind of colors, a little bug eye and all. They're really flashy and they, they draw a lot of attention. But what's underneath all of that flash? A hook. That's what the devil does, and that's what our own desires do. If we do not submit them to Christ, we are lured away by our own desires because we doubt 
God knows what's best for us, and we are deceived. We are lured away. What kind of bait does God say? What kind of bait, excuse me, does Satan use in your life? Which one does he always use on you? Which lure comes by so flashy, so attractive, and yet it the hook goes in and gets you? Identify it. Step four, after we get, if we go that far, we're into disobedience and defeat. Step four, disobedience and defeat. So there's desire, doubt, deception, and now defeat. And now it's a sin. Now it's a sin. Pastor Rick Warren says, what I flirt with, I'll fall for. What I flirt with, I'll fall for. You make the call. You win the battle with temptation before it begins because after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and the end result is death. We feel horrible. We're less sensitive than we were. And we're not free because we have not received the truth and believed it. Your last fill-in is this. I manage my mind by focusing my mind on the right things. I manage my mind by focusing my mind on the right things. 2 Timothy 2.8 says, Keep your mind on Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12.3, Think about Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. Think about these three things as we close this out. When you are trying to renew your mind and have mental health, when you're tempted, think about Jesus. Think about how he held on through all the suffering, through all of it, right up into the cross, into the pain of being rejected by those that he loved and gave his life for, nailed to a cross, And yet he looks around and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Think about Jesus' love for you. Think about that Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 passage, God's great love for you. Think about Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day. Renew your mind with the beautiful thoughts of Jesus' love for you and who he is. And then secondly, think about others. Give yourself to others. As followers of Jesus, we're told to not just think about our own affairs in life, but be interested in others and what they are doing. Philippians 2.4. And this is hugely, hugely countercultural. You know, I've got to do what's best for me is what we hear. All the advertisements, everything. You know, but me, 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 me. Think about others. And that's that will help your mental health. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. I mean, do that in your small group this week. I told the church, I said, look, when you, when you get in a funk, you know, and you're like, you're not thinking right or you're tempted or whatever's going on, get up and go do something for somebody. Go down to your coffee cafe. Here at Starbucks is just a little... Uh, not far from here. And so go buy somebody a, a cup of coffee or, or call someone and encourage them. Think about others. Do something for others that is good for your mental health. And lastly, and we don't talk enough about this, think about eternity. Think about eternity. Colossians 3.2 says, let heaven fill your thoughts. Colossians 3.2 Do not think only about things down here on earth. One day, all of this is going to be gone. All this tempting and the trials and, and all, and God will 
bring his kingdom in fullness. The king will be on his throne. We will know as we are known. Every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more pain. One day, and you began that journey the day that you began to follow Jesus Christ. You took your first step into eternity when you decided, I'm going to become a follower of Christ. Actually, it was God's, it was his decision. Remember Ephesians 1, 3 through 5? It was his decision to call you, not really ours. We responded to it, but it was his good pleasure to call you. And when you responded, you stepped into eternity. Yeah, it's not here yet. We get to see previews and we see the kingdom come to our mind as we're renewed. But remember this, one day, one day, we will see the fullness of it all. No eye has seen, no ears have heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you know what is best for us and your truth sets us free. You bring us to a place of moderation in our thoughts and in our minds so that we can be healthy. Help us apply your word, God. Help us to grow up in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, podcast listeners. This was a special one a little longer for you because we had some technical difficulties on Sunday, but you got the sermon just like I gave it to them. And so thank you so much. Uh, Feel free to contact us, like I said, at Tim at SeacoastVineyard.com. God bless you guys. Have an absolutely wonderful week. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.